it's days like today where I'm so thankful to be with church family. An example of why I love the church that I attend. I guess I pastor it as well. Is that when we were facing some pretty bad news about an egg drop that we were going to do, that I, I sat down with a list of people's names. And as I sit down with that list of people's names, and I'm just contacting them, saying, you know what? I'm about to call an audible here in the 11th hour. About to push this thing to next week because, you know, if we promised a helicopter, let's try to make a helicopter work. Because sometimes people would say, well, that's silly. That's like the world. You don't need a helicopter. You don't need eggs. No, we don't. But I want a world that doesn't know the name of Jesus Christ to know it. And what's crazy off of that list, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Every person stepping up and saying, you know what, that's inconvenient, but yes, but yes, but yes. It's crazy going into a weekend, and I'm going to be speaking in a few moments about Jesus, this ultimate servant, this ultimate example, the way that this church exemplifies that. I'm grateful. Here on this Palm Sunday, I want to speak about this Jesus, this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. It's found in all four Gospels, Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. It's so important that Jesus riding in on this donkey, there are palm leaves, there are people that are taking off their jackets and throwing them down before him. The cries of Hosanna, the cries that are coming out from this crowd, he's being declared king before so many. This one that they call rabbi. What I love about Palm Sunday is that it wasn't just another day. It wasn't just an opportunity for Jesus to to get glory. He took it as a chance to teach his disciples. Even there on that day, Jesus chose a donkey. And I love this. And so for the next few minutes, stick with me. Because I just want to point out a few things that Jesus taught his disciples that day. In South America, when you go there, it's amazing how Western influence and often the worst of Western influence has infiltrated another country. There's things that seem like status symbols that are seen by the West. But when you go to another country, one thing that is not ever seen as a status symbol is a donkey. They're not elegant. They are not beautiful. They are a beast of burden. Jesus chooses a donkey. We read in Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, then Jesus sent two disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. 
some of the lessons from Palm Sunday, I guess number one would be to serve with humility. Jesus teaches his disciples we must serve with humility. Imagine being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There would be times that it may seem glorious walking with the Son of God, but there would be times when it would be hard. You know that Jesus demanded things of his disciples. When he was there, he was their advisor, he was their boss, he was their king, he was their Lord. When he gave the orders, people didn't tend to question. And when Jesus had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So you think about this, they're empowered. They're empowered to cast out demons. They see sick people healed when they encounter a leper. You know there's healing going on. They're preaching the gospel with power. People recognize Jesus' disciples even when they weren't with him at times. Peter finds this out in Luke 22 when he's trying to follow Jesus from afar off on that fateful night. People are crying out, he's one of Jesus' disciples. They were known by the crowd around them. Imagine being a simple fisherman and going from a nobody to a somebody. All these things that they had done in Jesus' name, all the things they had seen him do, and Jesus gives this order. Go ahead. There you're going to find a donkey tied. I want you to bring it back to me. But wait. But wait, we're qualified, we're empowered on the demon, sickness, leper, and preaching part. But there are going to be times in your walk when you're going to get a taste of humility. Humility's demanding. The big things as Christians, I feel like we all want to do the big things, but it's often the little things that can trip us up. They're placed on donkey detail. Can't you just imagine if Jesus is talking? I mean, if that was us, like if that was me and you, Bob, and Jesus was like, hey, disciples, you're going to need to go get a donkey. And I'd be like, Bob, I think he's talking to you. I think he's talking to you because he's not talking to me because I'm going to cast out demons. Can you imagine that idea? Like, it seems weird because it's this downgrade in a way. But he sends them. And what's beautiful about Jesus, it's not this spiritual where's Waldo kind of thing, like where's the donkey going to be? The Savior who asks you to do something is always willing to tell you how. I'm saying that to you today because someone's questioning, God, what are the next steps? Ask Jesus. What are the next steps? What should I do? I don't have the wisdom to operate going forward. Well, Jesus does. Ask Jesus. Here's what's wild. It wasn't just about going to find the donkey and to take the donkey, which wasn't their donkey. It was about having to walk with the donkey. Another thing, you know, when I'm thinking about being in South America and seeing things, often donkeys were associated not with the upper class, but with people who did not have much money. Often donkeys, like in that culture, a man would not want to be seen leading that donkey because it would be below him, he would think. Children were often leading donkeys. And so here you have these rock stars known by everyone, these Jesus celebrities, and they're walking with a donkey. The assignments from the Lord may not always make you feel popular. I'm saying that because it's weird that when we walk with God, we always expect every next step to make us feel even more prestigious in him. Jesus gives the assignment. God's not looking for celebrities. He's looking for servants. And Jesus isn't going to ask you to do what he's not willing to do. Here, and I think at the very height of Jesus' earthly fame, 
This is before everything goes down, before that road to the cross had kicked in. Jesus takes on the role of a servant. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, this is from John 13, and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, with which he was girded. It can be humbling to be on donkey detail. But imagine how much more humbling it would be to wash the donkey dew off people's feet after they walked in it all day. It was the lowest job a servant can have. In fact, it was the lowest servant in the house who was often given that job. But Jesus takes it on. And Jesus is saying, you hear those people, they're screaming for me. Yeah, that was all real. But the fact is, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I came to serve. John 13 continues, you call me teacher and Lord. You say, well... For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I've done for you. In other words, it's not below you. It's not below you. Yeah, we can do the big things, but it's not below you the things that I ask you to do. The kingdom of God is always going to look different than the kingdom of this world. Always. We cannot operate in a way of thinking God's kingdom is going to work the way my human mind tells it to work. The world is about your station in life, what you have in life, how much money is in your account. I heard this story, and I don't even know if it fits here, but I have to tell it. It was about this rapper who had found himself in financial ruin. And so they were interviewing him, and they said, at what point did you tip the balance and go into financial ruin? And he said, you know, I think it's when I bought that chain. Like, the chain? Well, he says, one evening at a concert, a gentleman yells out from the crowd, I bet you will not buy a chain and it had some vulgar term, a chain that says that. Well, you know what? He was not to be outdone. He went and he bought that chain, spending several hundred thousand dollars with the vulgar saying on it. And what's weird about it when you're interviewing him, he's like, and I didn't even know that guy, but he dared me. And I was like, whoa, it's a Christmas story. I mean, this guy got dared and spent several hundred thousand dollars, but that's the world we live in. That makes sense. If a stranger dares you, you do it. That's not how the kingdom of God works. It's about how you serve. Not who serves you, but how you serve. In the end, one phrase is going to matter, church, and that is, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to become a servant. A scripture that goes with that, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, speaking of Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. He came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, see, when I read scripture, it gets into me, and I just can't help but get excited about all this. At the name of Jesus, you too. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven 
and of those on the earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone needs donkey duty on some occasion, and everyone needs to understand that the time is coming when this old world is going to pass away, and we're going to stand in that very presence. The second thing that Jesus taught here is that your identity is more important than your image. Ouch. I mean, good Lord, you can turn on the TV any night and there are reality shows following people that I do not relate to at all that might as well be aliens. And like, I just don't get it. No, I don't understand how it feels when my Maybach breaks down. I don't. I understand that my Jeep window cracks like every month. That's what I understand. Your identity is more important than your image. Greatness does not come from what you present to the world. Even as Christians, like the world is not looking and they're like, oh, Christians impress us so much. It's our love. Like who in the world is gonna say, wow, they serve so well. They aren't looking at that sometimes, but they can sure feel it and experience it. Greatness comes only from who you are in Christ only from who you are in Christ. That kind of thing that you just have to say when you're praying, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. The outer man cannot save the inner man. The inner man cannot save himself. It is only through Jesus Christ that any change is going to come. That is the truth. God doesn't want to wait for you to arrive. He's not sitting around saying, when they get successful enough, that's when I'll take them. That's when they'll really make a splash in the world. No. He says, I want to paint a different picture for them. I want them to do as I did. It's not about things in God's eyes. In Matthew 21, Jesus said, go into the village in front of you immediately. You're going to find a donkey tied, a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you anything, the Lord needs them. That's what you're to say. And he will send them at once. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. Now imagine this. Jesus, there's, you know, you'll read different things. Different theologians would say he may have ridden the big donkey till he got there. But, you know, to fulfill prophecy, that's when he got on that little colt. And all I can picture, I don't know if you've been to Great Lakes Mall, they have those things you ride on. You know those things you ride on? Well, I was there one day, and there was this grandmother who got roped in to riding those with her grandchild. And the grandma was like, I mean, she's like a foot taller than me. And so this grandma was on this thing, and pretty much it's like her legs were almost dragging behind her as she was going on this. And I just picture Jesus, this full-grown man on this little donkey colt. He was too tall. It wasn't just not eloquent. It was almost embarrassing in a sense, the way that this played out. But the donkey didn't seem to bother the people. No one wrote Jesus off because his size versus the donkey's size did not match up. They shouted, they praised, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna to the king. They didn't care if it looked crazy. They wanted to see the Messiah. 
how he came didn't matter. The fact that he came, that he was Jesus Christ, the fact that he was there, that's what mattered. I say that to us because there's so many times that we're like, God, come in the way that I need you to come right now. When we are missing him showing up in a dozen ways on a daily basis. Matthew 21.10, and when Jesus had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And they said, who is this? It's Jesus. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. Who is this on that donkey colt? It's Jesus. Who is this that's come to deliver us? It's Jesus. Who is this? Is this another prophet? Is this just another holy man? No, that's Jesus. Is this the Messiah? Yeah, and his name's Jesus. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Zechariah, 550 years ago, told about this, what's about to happen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of the donkey. You have to be kidding me. A king on a little donkey? And you know, it's hard for me since Shrek came out because I just picture that donkey in like this. Where is his army? Does he not understand the decorum that a king should have? Where are his weapons? Where are the flags and banners with his royal crest on them? Jesus didn't need the noise. Jesus just needs the moment. That's worth repeating. Jesus doesn't need the noise. He just needs the moment. I need to hear that if no one else does. When Jesus passes through, the common people start taking their coats off and throwing them down. They knew it was Jesus. Those legions of angels that could have been at his command at any moment, they knew who he was. He had declared who he was over and over. John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I was. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. John 17, 5, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. When they come to arrest him, are you Jesus? I am. And while we would look at that as just a short answer, we know that that echoes I am that I am. We know that when he's saying that, he's laying claim to something that would make the Pharisees shiver. In fact, when he says that, immediately the soldiers who came to arrest him, they fell over backwards, it said in John 18. And so it's not just words that are said, it's the power of who that is. And there are times, again, when the devil's like, who are you with? I'm with I am. Who gives you the authority to talk this way and pray this way? I am. When you march into that situation and you can just feel it. We were talking the other day. I have never lived in a time when you can feel evil as much as you can at times. I mean, you walk in places and you just know, like, man, I feel that. But when you walk in, you walk in with I am. Oh, when it comes to pilot. He's told the you know, pilot, he has the power right now. He has the power, that Roman power. And he says, you have no authority except what has been given to you. I freely lay my life down. Jesus knew who he was. But the Jews, they expected a king. They're looking for a deliverer. They wanted to be liberated. They had hoped that it would be Jesus that would loose them from the Roman control. But Jesus chooses a donkey. 
It is said that on the opposite side of the city near this time, because Passover is coming up, that Pontius Pilate was probably riding in. Pontius Pilate riding in on what I would think would be this beautiful horse. He's riding in with foot soldiers before and behind him. He's riding in with everyone in their finest armor. They're in parade dress. They have their banners. They have all the symbols of that empire. You hear the marching of feet. You hear the hooves of horses hitting the ground. You hear the beating of drums. It's a different kind of reception. Because at that time, Caesars were known as sons of God. Caesars were hailed as gods themselves. Every time there was a celebration, the Romans would show up, and they didn't show up because they were fans of Jewish celebrations. They showed up to keep the peace. They showed up to intimidate. Pilate rides in on that symbol that day, and Jesus teaches an illustrated sermon. And you know that they're talking about that later. You know the disciples are saying, did you hear? Did you hear how Pilate rode in? And suddenly Jesus reminds them it's about humility. Zechariah 8.10 says about Jesus, he shall speak to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea. It's what Jesus creates on the inside that matters. It's not about the pomp and circumstance of the world. It's about what Jesus creates on the inside. Do you know who you are in Christ? My question to you, do you know tomorrow morning before you walk into that boardroom to give your presentation, do you know who you are in Christ? Before you show up to bid that job, do you know who you are in Christ? When you deal with that family situation tomorrow, do you know who you are in Christ? You walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you walk in that anointing, you are an ambassador to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You say, I don't look the part. You take it from me. It's not about looking the part. Do you know who you are? The third thing Jesus teaches them, and I love this, is praise, baby, praise. Luke 19, 37. Then as Jesus was drawing near, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. They echo the words of Psalm 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to Jesus from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And if there is a favorite verse, if I could have one. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, the stones would immediately cry out. So, so many in this crowd, they were asking, who is this? Who is this? We've heard, but oh, now that he's around, I feel it. These cries of Hosanna, these shouts to the king, praise is always going to answer the question, who is this? And so when the world answers, do you walk in praise? Do you continually walk in praise to this Jesus that we claim has changed our life? What I love about this is when you praise, and here's the truth, it's always going to stir up something spiritual. Some of you have found that as soon as you step it up, as soon as you raise your prayer game, your praise game, your dial into God game, that the chatter starts, that the condemnation starts, that the enemy starts to tear it down. And what I love about this, do you notice that the criticism came from the religious crowd? 
If these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out, immediately. Praise should always precede the Prince of Peace. And it begs a question, church. Why do we turn down the volume of our praise when it's time to praise? Do you know when it's time? All the time. Something just as just as a gauge, just as an honest take sometimes. It's wild that there are times that I could lay down right here during worship because it's just so powerful. And yet there's times that we don't plug into it. I think about this, and rocks don't come with a volume switch. They're not app-enabled. When Jesus said they're going to cry out, they're going to cry out. I'm not competitive here, but I don't want some rock crying out in my place because the rocks haven't seen what I've seen. They haven't experienced what I've experienced. They have not seen the testimonies in this house that I have seen, and I do not want them taking my place. The fourth thing Jesus teaches is your obedience is not connected to your popularity. A true servant will live and die for others. Jesus' goal was to do the Father's will. It was not to show up to be liked. It was to do the Father's will. John 6, 38, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus, down here on this earth. Imagine shortly after this, going into Gethsemane. Jesus in deep prayer, Jesus laying on his face saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus saw what I so often fail to see. He saw God's purpose. Just being transparent with you that my problem is so many times I feel like God's got to skywrite it, send me a personal letter for me to get it because in, in my mind I think he can't have a purpose in what he's doing, but he always has a purpose in what he's doing. And it's weird because every time I run into a new problem, I start the same thing and think, God, you're going to tell me what your purpose is. But I have seen that his purposes are so good. It's about obedience to God. In Matthew 20, 28, we read, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Do we pray this? Do we live this? Do we walk this? Because there's not always going to be palm branches. We didn't even have them today. I always envy the churches that come up with palm branches in Cleveland. It's no donkey. I did want to get a donkey. I just wasn't sure what it would do. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos of donkeys misbehaving and knocking people down. I did throw my coat in the floor in my office when I came in, though, so I guess we have that. As the crowd cries out, crucify him. We have no king but the Caesar. Jesus chooses a donkey at the height of his popularity. Less than a week later, no one would stand up for him. Less than a week later, he's arrested. That crown of thorns, he appears before Pilate. He's already been beaten up. 
standing there. And I just imagine this, what has happened, this crowd that was yelling out, and it mirrors so many times the way my walk can become. This crowd had gotten disillusioned. They'd gotten disheartened. Have you ever felt disillusioned or disheartened? Have you ever looked at something and thought, I thought, I thought that's what he was going to do. We can look for Jesus in the wrong things. We can look for him in the experience. We can look for him in the ease. We can look for him in a walk that only makes us happy. They wanted to define their king. But what I love is for all the ways that Jesus can be defined, there are so many ways that he hasn't even shown you yet. He wasn't just a man hanging on that cross. People yelling, if you're the son of God, then come down from this cross. They taunted him. He saved others, but he himself, he couldn't save. Saying this to someone who needs to hear it wasn't that he couldn't save himself. It's that he refused to save himself for the sake of the mission. For the sake of salvation. I remember I worked at this detail shop and we would detail cars for the Lake County Narcotics Agency. And there would be times when they would call us and be like, yeah, we're going to need our car real quick. And they would roll up in a van and they'd be vested up and they'd be strapped and they'd be like, we'll pay you later. And I'll be like, okay, you can pay us later. And they would roll in their car. And I just imagine those angels that were on call just right there, like, say the word, say the word, say the word, just ready to go, ready to go, whatever it may be, and never getting that call because Jesus sees the mission through. And then when you personalize it, how can you not love this Savior? When you personalize it, it was just you. It was just you that he sees. Every one of those disciples that saw what was going on, imagine this, they had seen Jesus' face. You know, when they're hanging around, they'd seen him laugh. They'd seen times of joy. But seeing him hanging on that cross, they saw the agony that he was in. They knew what was going on. But in that moment, each one of them determines that they're going to be sold out, that they're going to serve the way that Jesus served. They're not going to let the things of the world get in the way. You have this Peter who preaches at Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit falls. You have 3,000 people getting saved. That same popularity... You know that Peter, he's going with, Peter would hang on a cross himself. He does that to follow in Jesus' steps. Are we willing to be on donkey detail? I want to close with this question. If we truly believe what we say we believe, And honestly, Monica, at any moment, if I heard a trumpet blast, I would not be surprised. If we look at the climate in which we live, at any moment that I believe that Jesus Christ could return, knowing that I am a man who does not have the promise of tomorrow, knowing those two factors... When am I going to start living in a manner that says sold out? Notice I personalize it at me. 
Because good Lord, working at a church, working as a pastor, that does not guarantee some higher echelon of spirituality. I say that because each one of us, I challenge you this week, going into Easter, don't crawl into Easter. Next Sunday, there are going to be people that you don't know who showed up to get candy that was put in plastic eggs for their kids. And I want to be ready to serve when they get here. Bobby's got it. If you'll stand. of saying the word fire I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to consume you know I, I'm tired of hoping God God send people to the church to accept you nope I just saw a flyer The days of thinking the way that I think, like we set this kind of spider web and the souls just come get stuck in it, that's done. I just read that someone's gonna be going out, they're gonna be going out with some grilled cheese, huh? Some grilled cheese to do some street witnessing. What? And tomato soup. That is like a Campbell's salvation right there. And I'm telling you what, but this idea we need to begin to do differently if we want to see differently. We need to begin to walk differently personally if we want our church to go in different places. We can't crawl week after week through the doors because God has called you to be more than a conqueror. You need to begin to speak to your heart and say, heart, the devil's lying to you and I know who I am in Jesus Christ and I'm going to serve. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve and I am going to do what Christ called me to do. Those days are coming. So if you'll bow your heads, let's just usher those days in. Right now, Lord, in your name, the name that's above every name, what I call for, God, is an end to mediocre. What I call for is an end to the spiritual crawl. But Lord, right now, I say that you would stiffen the spines of those that you are going to send forward. Make them have the confidence, Lord, of the servant that you call them to be. And Lord, I pray right now for the favor of Jesus Christ to fall upon this church. I pray, Lord, that on this Palm Sunday, that you, the humble Savior, would remind us that humility gets it done. And Lord, I pray right now for every need that is in this house, peace over it, peace right now. Let us bear one another's burdens and let us go forward in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.